Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Good morning. Welcome to Mission Church. My name is Joe Little. I'm the youth pastor here at Mission Church, and I have the honor, the pleasure of bringing the word this morning. Uh, We have been in a sermon series titled Knowing God, and it's been such an amazing sermon series, and we've already been in two weeks of it by our lead pastor, Tyler Johnson, which can we just for a second just go ahead and say uh, how much we love our lead pastors, Tyler and Rachel Johnson. They are just so amazing and so encouraging. I know that sometimes it can feel normal to have lead pastors like we do, but I just want you to know that it's not normal, that they are special people, that they are encouraging people. So can we even now just take a couple seconds and just fill the chats with just so much love for our lead pastors, Tyler and Rachel. And I'm so excited that I get to preach this morning, our third week of our Knowing God series. And our uh, sermon title this morning, if you're taking notes, is going to be called, What's Your Name Again? Because there's nothing worse. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I don't know if you're like me, but there is nothing worse than being in the middle of a conversation with someone. You're hearing about their dreams. You're hearing about their hopes. You're hearing about their family, their kids, their spouse. And then in the middle of the conversation, you have to stop everything and say, I'm, I'm so sorry, this is awkward. What's, what's your name again? There's nothing worse. Have you ever had to, what's your name again, someone? I mean, some of you are probably in your house right now and you had to tap your spouse and say, what's this guy that's talking? What's his name again? I don't know if you're like me. If you have to be introduced to people four or five times and you have to, what's your name again, people on a common basis. But what I've come to learn is that usually people aren't as upset or offended when I forget their name as I think that they would be. People usually don't really care as much as I think that they would. And the reason why is because it's usually my first time meeting them. Usually it's my first or second conversation with them. But could you imagine if this happened with my wife? Could you imagine if we're sitting there watching Netflix, eating popcorn, and I have to do like a double take and, wait, hold up, this is awkward. Uh, What's your name again? Oh, I don't know if you know my wife or not, but Paige Little does not play that. There will be a couch that night with my name on it, and rightfully so, because it would be ridiculous, it would be insane, it would be unthinkable for me to know my wife, be, be married to my wife for two years, be together for four years, we work together, we, we spend every meal together, we hang out together every single day, and yet for me still to not truly know who she was. And yet some of us have been following God for years. Some of us have been going to church for years, we've been singing the songs for years, we've been listening to the sermons for years, and yet we still don't truly know who God is. And there's a character in the Bible that we're gonna talk about this morning out of John chapter one. And this character in the Bible knew God. And I mean, he really, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, he really knew God. I mean, he, he initiated Jesus into his uh, ministry. He, he paved the way for Jesus. And this guy's name was John the Baptist. And one day John the Baptist was, you guessed it, baptizing people. When all of a sudden the Pharisees, the, the teachers of the law began to come up to him and In John chapter one, verse 19, it says, now this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. 
Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one that you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Let's pray one more time before the preaching of God's word. God, I thank you that uh, even at the end of just a couple weeks, God, we can say that we just know you a little bit more. I pray that you just bless the message this morning. I pray that you pierce hearts. I pray that there are things that are said this morning that encourage, that inspire, and that help people maybe even get through a hard time. And God, we thank you that you also are a God who, who answers prayer, God, and the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA championship. We are so thankful. You are a God that does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. So we pray, God, that you exceed our expectations another year. You give us an abundance of championships in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Uh, now, <clears throat> I'm the person in my friend group that is kind of known for having a lot of hot takes. And if you don't know what hot takes are, hot takes are someone's personal opinion uh, that might go against the popular opinion. I'll, I'll give you an example. A hot take of mine is, uh, let me think, Friends is better than The Office. I know, I know it's a hot take, but Friends is better written. Friends is more funny. Friends is better qualities. Making Friends better than The Office. Another hot take, In-N-Out, it's overrated. It really is. Now, is In-N-Out terrible? No, but is it the best burger on the West Coast? No, In-N-Out is overrated. Another hot take, the last hot take that I'll mention, this one might cause you to exit out of the YouTube on your screen. This one might cause you to have to wait until Pastor Tyler comes back next week to bring the word. But my last hot take, a hot take I stand by, the last Star Wars movie was the best Star Wars movie. I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. I know, I know you, you want to click off so bad, but I got to tell you the last Star Wars movie, the best Star Wars movie. I mean, I literally was sitting there watching it like this is the greatest movie I have ever seen. I loved it. It was amazing. It closed the chapter. But there was one hot take that honestly caused my friends to stop taking recommendations from me. Like they don't really ask me for my recommendations on movies. Uh, they don't really ask me for my recommendations on restaurants. And there was this restaurant that all of my friends told me to go try. It was in a city called Tampa, Florida, and it was called Hall on Franklin. Now, Hall on Franklin is one of these restaurants where there's about six vendors in the building and, and you get your food and you eat. So my friends go like literally the week that it opens and they're like, Joe, you and Paige, you have to try Hall on Franklin. It's so amazing. It's so good. You guys have to go. So we're foodies. So we, of course, take their opinion and, and we go check out Hall of Franklin, Hall on Franklin. And we get there and we eat the food and the food is okay and, and, it, it's, and it's all right and we're, and we're having a good time. And of course, a few days later, we see our friends again and, they, and they're so excited and they're like, Joe, Joe, I saw that you went on Hall and Franklin because if you didn't post about it, did you really go? Probably not. So we saw that you went on Hall and Franklin on Instagram and, and how did you think? What did, what did you think about it? Did you, did you like it? And I said, honestly, it reminded me a little bit of Steak and Shake. Now, I know that very few of you have probably been to the Hall on Franklin in Tampa, Florida, but to put this in perspective, this is how they would have taken it. I mean, they were upset, they were frustrated, they were angry. You would have thought that I would have walked into Ruth's Chris and said, Jack in the Box. It's a Jack in the Box. I, this reminds me a lot of the Jack in the Box. So me and my friends are having this conversation and they're like, Joe, why do you think that Hall on Franklin reminds you of Steak and Shake? And I said, honestly, the floors. Hall on Franklin has diner floors. Steak and Shake has diner floors. 
they're the same thing. And they say, Joe, you can't evaluate a whole restaurant based on the floors. Did you, did you like the food? And I said, yeah, the, the food was pretty good. Well, was the, was the atmosphere cool? Yeah, the atmosphere was all right. Well, then, Joe, you like the restaurant. That is the restaurant. You're evaluating it by the wrong things. And I think that this is what a lot of us do when it comes to our relationship with God to where we're evaluating our effectiveness in our relationship with God by the wrong things. We're evaluating how we're doing by what we're doing. Well, God, I, I prayed four times this week. I read my Bible every single day. I only cussed out my kids once. I, I think I'm doing pretty good. I, I think I can be used by you. I, I think that I can finally start getting involved in church. But the problem with this mindset is that if my actions can qualify me to follow God, well, then they have to also be able to disqualify me as well. And what started off as God is great, everything's great, I can't stop posting pictures about how amazing my relationship with God is, eventually turns into, God, I messed up, and I messed up bad. Like, God, it was one of those mistakes. Like, God, it was, it was one of those days. I think that I kind of have to stop following you for a little bit. I think I have to, you know, kind of take a step back from church. I, I don't think I can really serve the way that I was because if my relationship with God and my actions can qualify me to follow God, well, then they have to be able to also disqualify me as well. But I'm thankful that even on my worst day, the Bible says that Jesus did just fine, that even though I might have a bad day, I might make some mistakes because of the cross, because of his sacrifice, because of what he has done, I am now no longer judged by my mistakes. I'm now no longer judged by my actions, but I am judged by the question, do you have a relationship with God? And my main point today, the main thing that I want you to get out of this talk, a relationship with God is less about what you do and more about who you know. A relationship with God is less about what you do and more about who you know. I no longer, because of the cross, because of the sacrifice, I no longer am judged by my mistakes. I no longer am judged by my decisions, but I actually am judged by do I have a relationship with God? And John the Baptist gives us three things I think that we can use to evaluate if we truly have a relationship with God. John the Baptist gives us three, I'll call them the evaluators. He gives us three evaluators that we can use as we're trying to figure out if we truly have a relationship with God. And, the, and in verse 22, it says, finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Come on, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. This is a powerful statement. This is, this is a huge statement. This is a big statement. But John didn't write this statement. You see, not only is this statement actually said in the book of Isaiah earlier in the Bible, but this statement would have actually also been said by a group of people called the Essenes. And the Essenes were a religious group of people. They, they spent all of their time living in the woods. They prayed every single day, meditated on God's word every single day, even on their day off. They would have only hung out with each other. They wore white even after Labor Day, which is a statement of faith in and of itself, depending on who you ask. And they, you can't just join the Essenes. They were, they were a secluded group. You can't just join them. In order to join the Essenes, you had to go on a year of probation. And then after that year of probation, you had to eat your meals alone for the next two years. These were a secluded people. They were a religious people. They would have spent all day, every day crying out, God, show us who your Messiah is. God, I wanna see your Messiah. God, show us who the savior of the world is. I'm, I'm a voice calling in the wilderness. 
I'm a voice crying out in the wilderness. So when John would have said this statement, it actually wouldn't have been the first time that they heard it. It wouldn't have been something that would have thrown them off, but what would have actually thrown them off would have been the second part. You see, John says, yes, I'm a voice in the wilderness, but I'm also making a straight way so that people can get to Jesus. John says, yes, I'm a voice calling in the wilderness. I believe in character. I believe in meditating on God's word. I believe in righteousness. I believe that the law is good, but I also refuse to live my life secluded from other people. I also refuse to live my life alone. I, I wanna be with God's people. I wanna be baptizing God's people. Point number one today, the first way that you can evaluate your relationship with God. When you know Jesus, you would rather be found baptizing in the battlefield than secluded in the wilderness. See, when you know Jesus, you would rather be found baptizing in the battlefield than secluded in the wilderness. One of the biggest ways that I can know if I truly have a relationship with Jesus is how I answer the question, how do I care for God's people? Because we live in a culture right now that says that if you didn't vote the way that I voted, if you don't think the way that I think, if you don't prioritize what I prioritize, well, then that's it. You're canceled, you're done. I mean, you can still come to church, kinda. You can still be a part, kinda, but the true Christians are the people that think the way that I do. The, the true Christians are the people who, who think what, what I think is right is right. The, the real blessings, the real blessings of Christianity are for people who think like me. But you wanna know what else was only for certain people? Baptizing. Did you know that baptizing was something that was sacred? It was, it was something not anyone could do. So John, by their rituals, shouldn't have been baptizing people. John, by their rituals, should have just left these people alone. But when you know Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus, you don't care about social protocol. You don't care what people might say. You don't care what people might think, but you'll do anything. You'll break any barrier in order to love and care for God's people. The Essenes would cry out, God, I'm a voice in the wilderness. God, show us your Messiah so he can help your people. But John would say, God, I'm gonna help your people so that they can see your Messiah. I don't wanna be secluded on my own. I wanna be in the battlefield. I don't wanna just pray for people in the wilderness. I want to be in the battlefield. I don't want to just be in my own Christian bubble. I want to be in the battlefield. But can you go into the battlefield for people who didn't vote like you? Can you go into the battlefield for people who don't think the way that you do? Because I can't be passionate about Jesus and not be passionate about his people. What if you went to work tomorrow and said, I'm not just clocking in, I'm not just here for a paycheck, but I'm going into the battlefield. What if you went into school and said, I'm not just here to get my education, I'm not just on a Zoom class, I'm not just in a classroom, but I'm in the battlefield because when you truly know Jesus, when you truly have a relationship with God, it will show in how you care for God's people. And the story goes on to say, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And back when we lived in Florida, I had the opportunity to volunteer for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which if you don't know what the Tampa Bay Bucks are, they're an NFL team out of Tampa, Florida. And it was my first NFL experience ever, so it was amazing. And by volunteer, I kind of mean I got to just uh, sit in the end zone and sit on the sideline and watch the game. It was, it was ridiculous. Like literally my first time, the first time at an ever being at an NFL game, I caught a kickoff. I did. It was ridiculous. The kickoff's coming to me. I'm standing in the end zone and everyone's saying, catch it, catch it. So I catch it. I'm like, did I just get signed? Like, did I just get signed to the Tampa Bay Bucks? Am, am I their new wide receiver? This is, this is amazing. So 
they, they're going on, and I remember my first time there, and my, my buddy who was running the entire volunteer program had known it was my first NFL game. So he said, if you come a little early, you can kind of hang out on the field. You can check everything out. He said, obviously, don't talk to the players and the coaches because that's a little weird, but, but just at least hang out. You can have a good time. He says, all that you need is you just have to have this polo on. And he gives me this white polo, and he said, you can go anywhere on the field that you want. You just have to have this polo on. So I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to get going. So I walk, and, I, and someone's in the bathroom, so I can't change right then and there. So I walk on the field, and all of a sudden, a voice comes out and goes, hey, where do you think you're going? And I said, oh, sir, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I just wanted to see the field. I, I'd never seen an NFL field before. I just wanted to go, oh, you're not supposed to be here. I said, oh, I'm, oh, I'm here with the volunteer program. What, what? All volunteers wear a polo. I said, sir, it's, it's in my hand. I'm, I'm literally holding it. Nope, nope, nope. You have to go back behind the red line. You have to go change and you have to have that polo on. And I'm not gonna lie, it aggravated me a little bit. I was, I was a little upset, but after thinking about it and talking to my friends about it, the guy wasn't wrong for asking me why I was there. You see, the guy was honestly just, just doing his job. And the Pharisees weren't wrong for asking John why he was baptizing people. You see, like we said earlier, baptism was something that was sacred. Baptism was something that was held dear. Baptism was a part of their religion and to change their religion was to change everything. To change their religion was to change what they had dedicated their lives to. It was to cast away what, what they had said was most dear to them. So they go to John and they ask him, they say, if you're not the Messiah, if you're, if you're not a prophet, if if you're not Isaiah, if you're not Elijah, if, if you're not the one that we're waiting for, well, then why are you baptizing these people? And something that I love about the grace of God, the most amazing thing about the grace of God is that it'll put you in places that you don't deserve to be. You see, one of the most amazing, beautiful things about the grace of God is that you will find yourself in places that you don't deserve to be. And point number two today, the second way that you'll be able to know if you truly know Jesus when you know Jesus, promotion points people to him instead of to you. See, when I know Jesus, when I truly know Jesus, promotion points people to him instead of to me. One of the biggest ways that I'll be able to know if I truly know Jesus is how I respond when I'm promoted. Because the grace of God is so good. The grace of God is so enabling. The grace of God is so encouraging that one day I will wake up and I will find myself in a position in a room, in an opportunity that I couldn't have gotten to on my own. And the question that I'll have to ask myself when I get into these situations is do I use these situations as a way to point people to me or do I use these situations as a way to point people to Jesus? Oh man, you're, how'd, you, how'd you get that job? You've only been with the company for, for a little under a year. How, how were you able to get promoted so quickly? Well, well, you know, I just kind of have been doing this for a while. I've been doing this, but they're finally recognizing what I contribute to the company. Wait, 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 but didn't you pray for that job for the last six months? Well, how, is, how has your business been able to do so strong? Every, everyone else is struggling. How, how have you been able to do so well? Well, I've just really worked on my leadership skills. I've just really, you know, been locked in. Wait, 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 but weren't you on your knees praying to God for hours when you, when you thought it wasn't gonna work out? One of the biggest ways that you can ask yourself if you truly know Jesus is by how you answer the question, how did you get where you are? And John doesn't answer this question the way that the Pharisees expected him to. John doesn't answer this question the way that they thought that he would. You see, they thought that he would say something along the lines of, well, well, well God actually told me I can baptize these people. 
I, I, this, this, this prophet, this person told me I should go baptize these people. I, I promise I have the credentials. I, I promise I have the polo, but instead John uses this as an opportunity to promote and to push forward and to emphasize the grace and the love and the mercy of God because God will never put you in a place of authority without also asking you to use your voice while you're there. Oh, you thought your job was just about you? You thought your promotion was, was just about you? John, you thought that you were just baptizing? You thought that you were just going about your day and then all of a sudden, someone came along. The day comes where people begin to ask, how did you get where you are? Why do you do what you do? And John says, because someone is coming. Because someone is on the way and I know that you thought that this was all about me. I, I know that you thought that this was all to point to me and it was also supposed to be my, my attention and, and my promotion, but it actually was to point you to him. It, it actually was to show you him because when you know Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus, you understand that promotion doesn't just come from my experience. Promotion doesn't just come from my benefit, but it actually is used to promote and to push forward the love and the grace and the mercy of God. How did you get that job? Because someone is coming. How are you able to have so much peace whenever everyone else is stressed out because someone is coming. How have you been able to strive through a pandemic? Because someone is coming. When you know Jesus, you don't need the glory. When you know Jesus, you don't need the credit, but you'll use any opportunity. You'll use any promotion. You'll use any experience in order to tell people that they are loved, that God has a call for their life. Because when I know Jesus, promotion doesn't point back to me. Opportunity doesn't point back to me, but I actually can use it as a way to point back to him. And the last point tonight is I invite the band up to play behind me and make me sound more spiritual. In verse 24, the Bible, the story ends with, now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Colorado with some of my friends, and uh, it was a great time. I loved it. We did a lot of cool stuff. But if you know me at all, you know that I am not the outdoors guy. You know that I, I hate the outdoors. Like, I'm not the guy to go camping. Like, I want to go to the mall. I'm, I'm not the guy to go even to the beach. Like, I want to go to the pool. I am not an outdoors guy. I hate the outdoors. But one of my friends was getting married. So we said, you know what? I'll, I'll bite the bullet. I'll, I'll do this for you. So we go to Colorado. And I got to be honest, it was, it was a fun time. It was, it was an amazing time. We're going hiking and, and we're seeing all of these sites. And then if you've ever been on a hike before, uh, you know that there's always these signs that basically, uh, in a few words or less, say, if you cross this line, you will die. And of course, my friends decide to ignore it. They decide to just go right past the line. So, so they go past the line, and of course, I follow them because peer pressure, you know, FOMO. So I go with them, and, and I go past the line, and, and they're going up, and I look down for literally a second. Like, it couldn't have been more than a second. And I look back up, and they're on top of this crazy mountain. Like, they're way ahead of me. And they're looking down at me and they're going, Joe, you, you got to come up here. The, the view is insane. And I'm like, guys, like, no, like, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm, I'm not going up there. No, Joe, 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 you have to. You, you have to check this out. Guys, no, I didn't even want to go on this trip. I'm not going to go up there and die while I'm here. No, no, Joe, you have to try it out. Guys, no, that, that mountain is just a little bit too high. I'm, I'm, fine, with, I'm fine with the other ones, but, but that mountain is just, just a little bit too far. And John says something that's very interesting. John's, John says a statement. He says, there's someone coming whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. And this statement would have thrown the Pharisees off. 
I mean, this would have shocked them. This would have, dare I say, bamboozled them because a disciple would do anything for their teacher. I mean, a student would literally do anything for their teacher, anything that their teacher asked them all the way up to a servant, except untie their sandals for them. And I wish that I could give you some spiritual reason as to why. I, I wish that I could give you some smart, intelligent reason that would make me sound really cool and, and really spiritual. But the reason why this was, was because back then they, they didn't have cars. So they would walk everywhere. So their feet smelled really bad. So they would say, teacher, I'll, I'll do anything for you. Teacher, I'll, I'll clean what you want me to clean. I'll, I'll cook what you want me to cook. I'll go where you want me to go. But teacher, please don't ask me to untie your sandals. But, but please don't ask me to take your shoes off. We walked all the way across town today. Please don't ask me to untie your sandals. But when you know Jesus, when you have a reputation, you have a relationship with Jesus, you understand that you'll go anywhere. You'll do anything. Come on, this is a recurring theme. You'll break any barrier. You go wherever you have to go in order to serve the people around you. Our last point today, our last evaluator, the way that you can know if you know Jesus. When I know Jesus, I'm willing to untie some sandals. When I know Jesus, when I have a relationship with Jesus, I am willing to untie some sandals. One of the biggest questions that you can ask yourself when you're trying to figure out, do I know Jesus? Do I have a relationship with Jesus? Well, how do you serve the people around you? Because we live in a world right now that says that serving is beneath me. That serving is, is a little bit below my pay grade. That, that serving is, no, 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 I'm not gonna serve, but John would have had a successful ministry. You see, John would have had following. John would have had influence. John would have had the blue check mark on Instagram. So people would have thought if this guy will untie somebody's sandals, well then whoever's coming must be special. If the CEO is willing to serve their employees like that, well then their God must be real. If the VP is willing to, to serve and encourage their employees like that, well then, well then their God must be special because when you know Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus, you understand that you'll serve no matter what people say, you'll serve no matter what people think, you'll serve no matter what it takes. What if we as a church came together and said that we're gonna dedicate our lives to serving other people? What if we as a church came together and said, God, I don't mind untying some sandals. God, I don't mind getting my feet a little dirty. God, I don't mind putting my hand in the mud. If it means that people will see you, if it means that people will have a relationship with you, if it means that people get to experience you because you were the epitome of servanthood. You were the prime example of doing things that social construct said that you shouldn't have been doing. So if you'll come down from heaven and you'll die on a cross for me, well, God, I'll untie some sandals for you. Well, God, I'll serve people for you. God, I'll do whatever you ask me to. If we as a church are known for anything, let's let it be for serving people. If we as a church are ever in the news, let's let it be for loving the people around us. Because when you know Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus, it'll show by how you serve the people around you. It'll show by how you care for the people around you. And it'll show by if you use promotion to point to God or to point to you. And as we begin to close, I wanna use this as an opportunity to give anyone out there an opportunity to know Jesus. And maybe I've been talking this morning and, and you're thinking, I don't even know who Jesus is. I don't even know what this means, but all that it means is that you wanna have Jesus in your life. And if that's you today, I would love for you to just put in the chats, I said yes to Jesus. We're gonna have a team reach out to you. We're gonna have part of our team uh, reach out and, and help you on your journey because you can't just do it on your own. You can't live life on your own. And then you'll be able to use your relationship with Jesus to help other people. But before we do that, I wanna pray. And we're gonna sing this song and, we're gonna, and it says, build my life 
God, we're not gonna build our life on, on ourselves. We're not gonna build our life. We're not gonna build our relationship on Jesus, on our works, but we're gonna build our life on the love and the mercy and the grace and the hope of God. So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing this out. And I even wanna challenge you in your house, get uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable, take a stand, stand up, lift your hands, close your eyes, do whatever you have to do. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that we can have a relationship with you no matter what we have done. I thank you, God, we can have a relationship with you no matter where we've been. And God, I ask you even now, God, to, to soften hearts, God. Do what only you can do even now in our homes, even now when we're locked down, even now when we might be in the purple tier, God. I thank you, God, that our hope isn't in a tiered system, that our hope isn't in a governor, that our hope isn't in a politician, but it's in you, God. So remind us of that this morning. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.